Oh, good morning and welcome. I love meeting in the pavilion, don't you? Uh, today's service is going to be a bit different, as I'll explain in a moment, but it's really great to have you, to have you all here. Um, we are a church of achievers, and, you know, our members achieve in different ways. And I want to hold up Pegs and Pomeza, who set a standard. They completed the, the Two Oceans Half Marathon recently. Amen? Um, I believe that Pomeza finished well in time, but Peg sort of uh, struggled a bit. I think I got that the wrong way around. Amen. But um, you're setting a great example for us. Um, I'm inspired, Peg. You remind me of the young Pegs and this athlete. So, brothers, um, I think we need a... We need to work to something similar, eh? Work towards uh, maybe a half marathon. Peter, what do you think? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Chris? Yeah. Amen. As Paul said, there is some benefit in physical exercise and fitness. It's true. Okay. Um, on Thursday, I flew up to Pretoria, early, sorry, Friday morning, early in the morning, um, it's been a very tough time at work, very busy. I had to go into workshop and other meetings. Uh, it's also a big deadline this time of year for me. Didn't sleep too well for a couple of days, worked hard, and I woke up on Friday morning having to go to the airport early. And fortunately, I, I realized it was really important that I stayed close to God. For a few days, I made a point of falling asleep praying to God. Not that I purposely wanted to fall asleep, but I was praying. Uh, God was the last uh, thought on my mind, and early in the morning, I made sure God was my first thought. And um, it was just amazing how God's Spirit works when we when we have that kind of attitude. Um, I was really tired. I was driving to the airport, and I, I just prayed that um, that I would submit to the Spirit, that I would trust God, that I would I just handed over everything to God, and I prayed that I'd be in step with the Spirit. And so I got on the plane. And there were two empty seats next to me. The plane was filling up, and I was kind of hoping one of the seats would be empty, the middle one. But then a young, a young couple came on the plane with a, uh, with, with a baby. And they sat down. We immediately started chatting. I just said, yeah, it's tough, isn't it? You know, how do you feel? How does it go traveling with your, you know, flying with your daughter? And they were very stressed. Um, but within about five or ten minutes, I got into this amazing spiritual conversation with this young man. It just happened so naturally. Having my sort of wristbands, I'm sure, helps. And it was just an awesome time. Before long, he was sharing with me his work and his you know, spiritual convictions. His, they really committed church goes. They attended church in Joburg. They were going home, very similar to our church. And it was just a wonderful time to bear witness about Jesus. And it seems like um, he's, he's in a very similar situation to me, except he travels south on business. I go north. And we were just joking how it seems like we probably passed each other in the air. You know, more, more than once. He typically comes down to P for two days. I typically go up to Pretoria for two days. Uh, they are planning to move down to Port Elizabeth. And um, I'm having coffee with him next week. But it was, it was amazing how in the conversation, and he was asking quite deep questions and sharing with me some, yeah, just some concerns he had with church in general. How, how often... The teachings of Jesus came to mind. And over and over again, I just reminded him of what Jesus said. And it was just an awesome experience. And driving to Pretoria in the car, I was just thinking back and I thought, wow, what happened there? What happened was that because, because of my decision to walk closely with God, that I wasn't quenching the spirit, 
our spirit-led and spirit-filled. And when we are spirit-filled, what does he make us do, first of all? Bear witness about Jesus. Shine the light on Jesus. God gave me an opportunity. The door opened. I took it, not, or the Spirit just led me to take it. And I just thought that as we study out the Spirit, we must bear that in mind always. The, purpose, the main purpose of the Spirit is to bear witness to Jesus. And as Spirit-filled people, if we do not quench the Spirit, our purpose is the same. To use every opportunity to shine the light on Jesus. You know, I was thinking that I, I really believed in that time and it lasted the rest of the day that I really was spirit-led. I wish I could say I'm always spirit-led every single day like that. I'm not. Some days I wake up, I'm just overwhelmed. Problems, deadlines, bad news, bad dreams, whatever. Stuff fills my mind and I think you can relate to this. It's not always God. But when God fills my mind first thing in the morning and the last thing at night and during the course of the day, that is creating the environment. That is emptying ourselves to allow God's spirit to fill us. And um, so I pray that I'll have a lot more days like that. Um, you know, I was spirit-filled, but I didn't speak in tongues on the plane. Um, I didn't heal the you know, old lady in the back who was helped on with her wheelchair. I'm not saying that can't happen. But I was spirit-filled, and I, I gave glory to Jesus. I shone the light on Jesus. I testified about Jesus. Amen. And that, I just use that as an example. I'm not saying I'm great, but just as a practical example. What we are saying during this series is that God works very practically. And it is all about Jesus, always. It's all about the gospel, always about the gospel. And whatever the Spirit does, it will always get us back to that purpose, that fundamental purpose. What we are doing at the moment is going through a mini-series, looking at how the Spirit works. What are the specific roles of the Spirit that supports witness about Jesus? And we started off this mini-series looking at how the Holy Spirit creates. The Holy Spirit brings life. We saw the Holy Spirit was involved in the original creation. The Holy Spirit is behind, is behind new creation. The Holy Spirit brings about new creation. Secondly, we learned how the Holy Spirit connects us to God. The Holy Spirit helps us to pray to God. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the nature of God. The Holy Spirit helps us into an intimate, close relationship with God. Intercedes between us and God. And then thirdly, the week before Easter, uh, we saw how the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand the Scriptures, and the Holy Spirit points us to Scriptures. Jesus says the Holy Spirit will never say anything new, but He'll remind you of what I said. Okay, so the Holy Spirit guides us through the Word of God. And then today we're going to look at, as you can see behind me, a fourth role of the Holy Spirit, and that is the Holy Spirit creates community. Let me pray first, then we'll continue. Father God, I am grateful that we are here. Thank you so much, Father, for the singing the opportunity to worship and praise you in song, God. Father, you've created everything for your glory, including our ability to sing, Father. And it is just so special when we, when we connect with your purpose, God, and when we in step with, yeah, with what you desire, Lord. Father, I thank you for everybody who's here. And as we um, really start uh, studying out how the Holy Spirit builds community, I pray, Father, that you will Help us to understand it. Help us to engage our heads, God. Help us to engage our hearts, though, Father, and also our hands that we can apply what we learn. Um, I love you, God, and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. So I mentioned today's lesson is going to be very different. I'm going to speak for about five minutes, that's all. And then you guys are going to do some work. Amen. So it's going to be more kind of workshop mode today. Uh, in First Corinthians 12... From verse 12 we read, 
just as a, a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. We are baptized into Christ through the spirit. The spirit plays, the, the spirit puts us into the body of Christ, the family of God. The spirit creates the community that is God's family. Yeah, the spirit is behind baptism and placing us in Christ. And then, um, second Corinthians 13, we have what some churches refer to as the benediction. Bene means well, diction means speak, so it's really a speaking well. Is, is a literal translation. But this is the final greeting of Paul to, to the Corinthian church. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now in that one verse we have, we have the triunal God. The, the Trinity that we, you know, that is foundational to our faith. The, the Trinity theology is that we have one God revealed in three persons. And we can't we can't separate Jesus from the Spirit and God. We can't separate the Spirit from Jesus and the Father and, and so on. Okay, maybe a bit beyond our understanding, but amen, we accept it. And it's interesting how Jesus here is linked with grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is an unmerited gift, and we know, of course, the ultimate gift that we have, the ultimate act of grace was when Jesus took our sins on the cross, when Jesus incurred the wrath and judgment of God that we deserved. That is the grace of Jesus. And beyond that, the grace of Jesus is also that he offers us resurrection life. As Jesus was resurrected, we too will be resurrected if we die in him. And then the love of God. You know, God is the very definition of love. You know, God the Father is associated with love in the Bible. The love of God is revealed primarily through his covenant faithfulness. He is loyal and faithful to his promises. And then the Holy Spirit is... a is associated with fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And that's really what we're going to be talking about today. The, the Holy Spirit creates fellowship. The Holy Spirit is in fellowship with the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son are one. And in Christ we are drawn into that unity. More than that unity, we are drawn into that oneness. We are drawn into this amazing fellowship. Okay, so the Holy Spirit is concerned with building fellowship. So, what we're going to do today is look at three defining qualities of God's family. There are many others we can look at, but today we're going to look at three defining qualities, and we are going to do it in um, workshop mode, and we're going to focus on the role of the Holy Spirit in building those qualities. Okay, so without further ado, and I'm going to watch the, manage the time very quickly, I want you guys to self-organize into six groups. Self-organize into six groups. Between eight and ten people per group, not less than eight, not more than ten. I suggest use the space, the chairs have been set out with a bit more space than usual. Um, you can form circles, and you've got one minute to do that. Let's go. Okay, what, what I'd like you to do is just to nominate someone now who will facilitate the discussion. And there... And then a couple of you in each group will have a chance to share, to feedback. 
One, two, three, four, five, six. Now you guys must please disperse. Maybe I, there are a few more than I thought. There's a space here? Two here, that's good. Okay, you guys are going to look at love. I've got two hard copies. I'm also going to put the PDF on the church group now. Okay, you guys are love. You guys are going to look at unity. I've got two hard copies and I'm going to put the PDF on the church group now so you can also have a... Okay, so you guys are going to look at service in the family of God. There are two hard copies. I'll also put it on the family group in a moment. The church group, rather. Okay. Okay, folks, time's up. Okay, folks, time's up. How was that? Did you enjoy the discussions? You want to carry on? You're welcome to carry on afterwards. Okay, so there are there were three defining um, qualities or characteristics. Uh, unity was covered by these two groups that have now, am I right? Yeah. Unity there, okay. So in the interest of getting everybody on board, I'm going to briefly read through the scriptures and pose the questions up there. Then I'm going to ask the two groups to respond. In the interest of saving time, I'm going to allocate some questions to one group and some questions to the other. Okay, and then we'll do for each of the other qualities. <clears throat> the, the one scripture there that they read and discussed 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10, I appeal, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Okay, the first question was, what's the standard for unity in the church? First question, I'll put the questions up first, and then we'll come back. Why is it so important to God and His pe- that His people are completely united? Okay, so this group, the first group here, Jason, the group that you were in, not necessarily Jason, but who would like to, to on some of these things are obvious, but it helps us to actually say it. Amen. <laughs> so what's the standard for unity in the church? Okay. Okay, so eighty percent of the church should be united. Is that right? Is that good enough? Eighty percent is good. Perfectly united. Why is it so important to God that His people are completely united? Same group. And so if we're one body and the foot wants to do something completely different to the hand, 
then there's no way that we're able to function. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important that you're completely not Okay, so it helps us to function properly. What about the message to the world? This group here. Pungani? Yeah, so we said unity allows, um, allows God's spirit to work through the members. Um, and uh, <clears throat> when it does, it reflects the unity of the Trinity. And this becomes um, a witness. Amen. Well captured. Okay, we reflect the unity of the Trinity, which is an absolute oneness, and that that's a strong message to a world that is not not united. Okay, and I think I might have skipped ahead a bit here, but let's read this. John seventeen, twenty to twenty-three. You know, this is Jesus Jesus praying for, for all disciples who would come in future. Basically for all disciples over all time. My prayer is not for them alone. He's speaking about his current disciples. I pray also for those who will believe in me through this, their message, that all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Okay, so for effect, Jesus is repeating certain things there. You know, he repeats, for example, that so that the world will know. So that the world will know. You can see what was on on Jesus' mind. Okay, so how would you summarize this prayer of Jesus? Does somebody paraphrase it quickly? What's the same unity that Jesus had? He wants us for us as well. Great, great summary. The, yeah, the unity that Jesus, the Spirit, and the Father had, he wants for his people as well. Okay, why did Jesus desire this level of unity for his followers, guys? I think again here we thought that um, it bears witness to the world. Bears witness. People's knowledge and experience and view of Jesus is affected by their experience of the church. Right? We are Jesus' ambassadors. How we behave tells people about what we believe. Jesus is like and how Jesus behaves. Bears witness to, to Jesus. What effect does such a display of unity have on the world? Maybe Bongani's group? And why? Um, yeah, so we said um, the effect is that um, you know, the world will know that God loves us and God sent um, Jesus. Okay, this group, you want to add to that? Know that God loves us and sent Jesus? Um, so that uh, the, the world may know that they are loved as well. Okay, right. Okay, sorry, one more comment maybe? Uh, I think uh, maybe what we're trying to get to is that this type of unity, which is unusual, um, helps to convict. Yes. Okay, so it can uh, to certainly convict the, the world. Um, it is fair to say that the world is more divided than ever at the moment, isn't it? There are more conflicts, there's less trust than ever. Um, people are segregating, dividing into you know, tribes and nationalities all, all over the world. Countries are looking after themselves. 
So it is a particularly powerful message when God's church is, is completely united. It gives hope to the world that there is a different way to be human. There is a different way to live. And that's through the values of... I think also we all come from very diverse backgrounds and cultures. And if all of us can be unified in one aim, and that being Jesus Christ, it gives everyone out there hope that they can also be unified with, with uh, like-minded people in one goal, that Jesus Christ. Amen. Put it better than I did. Thanks, Chris. Amen. One of the points that came up was that that tenability, well, the spirit breaks down all boundaries. You know, the boundaries of race, the boundaries of gender, the boundaries of wealth. And and, and that's what we are looking forward to, that you don't have to accumulate for yourself. And that's Mm. not not the drive, that's not the aim, and that's not the purpose why we're here. But the purpose is to fulfill God's plan. There's a bigger picture behind that. Amen. Great, great way to put it as well. Okay, in the interest of time, we're going to move on. Ephesians 4, verse 3 to 6. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So who wants to summarize? What, what, what role of the Holy Spirit is described here? He brings us the bond yeah. He unifies us. Okay, that's that's it clearly comes through that. You guys see that? Very much about unity and the and the role of the, the spirit in that through the bond of peace. Um, but how does the spirit bring about unity in the church? You guys you don't necessarily get it directly from that passage, but how does the spirit work to bring about about unity? Okay, so the point is that just with the Spirit in us, and I guess if I can add to what you said, maybe through the fruit of the Spirit, mm-hmm. you know, the fruit of the Spirit isn't, is totally against being argumentative and divisive. Okay, it's love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control, faithfulness. It'll help us to be united. So he uses that, yeah, uh, Bongani's group? Yeah, uh, Bruce has just uh, mentioned, but I think it agrees with what you're saying with Bruce, that the spirit, the spirit brings oneness and breaks down you know, the boundaries that we have in the body so that we can... Amen. Yeah. Amen. So my question was how he does that, but maybe you guys can think about that in your own time out. Suggest it has also to do with bearing witness to Jesus, uh, guiding us through the word, just looking to the example of Jesus. The Holy Spirit calls us to look to the example of Jesus always. Okay, and it's in all of these points. So, you take maybe just one point from each, time-wise. So, what could we do better as a church to be completely uni- united through the Spirit in a way that is noticed by the world? Do you guys get a chance to discuss this? Any views? Okay. Comma? No, I think that's great. It's just to be aware of the fruits of the Spirit and make a point of exercising the fruit of the Spirit when we together. Amen. Great point. You guys? Okay, so I think similar. Um, we said remaining in Christ and being led by the Spirit. 
um, loving one another deeply, um, because that is becomes a, a weakness to others. Um, you know, maintaining the, uni the unity of the body for the purpose of witnessing about Jesus. Amen. Great. And I think with all of these questions, it's good to um, reflect personally as well. And I think we should all ask ourselves with each of these qualities, um, do, I, do I personally display these qualities? What am, what am I doing to forge unity in the body? Um, who are my close friends in the church? Who do I hang out with? Are they people who look like me, mainly? What efforts are I making to build friendships across races and ages? Okay, that we become genuinely an all-nation, an all nations, all generations church. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the second one was love. You guys did love and you guys. Okay. So the two scriptures here, John 13, 34 to 35, which we should all be able to quote easily by now. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this all men will know, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So what standard of love for one another does Jesus set for us, you guys? Um, so we said um, it's unselfish love and sacrificial love. In other words, the love of Jesus. So you guys have interpreted the love of Jesus is unselfish, sacrificial. Great. How does Jesus demonstrate his love for his disciples, you guys? Mercer's group? Okay, we said he showed humility he, because it was practical. Yeah. He, he spoke the truth in love. He met people where they were at, and he loved all equally, and he showed by his actions, and he also died. Great. That's a great summary. You guys want to add anything? Why is it so important for us to demonstrate this extent of love for one another, this group? Um, so we said um, Jesus showed that it's possible, uh, therefore we should follow uh, his example. Okay, Why? So that the world may know. Uh, but surely we love one another just to take you know, care of our needs and be in a nice, warm community and be a nice, little, loving community and we hold on to it for ourselves. No. Yeah, the purpose of our love is when people come into this community, they experience a love for one another that they want to be part of. And absolutely, there are benefits. We become more like Jesus when we choose to love and we, we all need love. But it's not about us. It's never about us. It's always about Jesus and growing the kingdom. Okay, so that the world may know that you are my disciples. So that the world may know. And how easy is it for us to love in this way? Super easy, Mersh? Well, we say it's very challenging because we are self-centered in our own nature. It's selfish. It takes denial and sacrifice. Jesus showed us the way to deny and Okay. It's not, it's not easy. It's not meant to be easy. It takes sacrifice, denial, and taking up our cross daily. Following Jesus to the cross of sacrifice. Okay, you guys? Sorry. Anything else? Same thing. I'll check the notes later, see? I think as well, it's hard to love someone who's not willing to love you back. Uh-huh. That's a great point. Okay, the, the group says um, it's not. It's very difficult to love somebody who doesn't love you back. And what did Jesus do? Did people love Jesus back? 
No, most people rejected Jesus. The very people he came to save um, rejected him, but it didn't stop him from loving. That's very challenging. But he had faith, so he had? Faith. Yeah. He had faith, and especially if we understand faith as obedience and allegiance, yeah, he was absolutely obedient to God, did the will of God, regardless. So it wasn't how he felt and how he was treated. It was, what's the will of God in this? Okay, and he prayed through that, as we know, in Gethsemane, but he decided to do it because, because that was what he came to do. And we decide to do, we decide to love because that's why we have the Spirit in us, why we're in Christ, and why we have Him as our Lord and Master. Romans 5 verse 5 reads, And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. First question, what does God give us according to this passage? Gives us the spirit and love. God doesn't just give us the spirit when we are baptized into Christ, when we submit to Jesus. With the spirit, he gives us the ability to love. He puts his love into our hearts. And why is this really good news for us in the light of the previous passage, you guys? Okay, that's a kind of the next level. We become more like Jesus when we love absolutely. Yeah. Ah, it's possible. That's the point. I, I know some very, very loving people and Christians, but the, often the most loving Christians realize how how unloving they are compared to the love of Christ, and that we cannot love in this way without the Spirit. You guys, any, anyone here? Put your hand up. Do you, do you naturally love the way Jesus loved? No, we don't. I haven't met anybody who does. We need, we need God to help us to love. We need the love of God in us that He gives us through His Spirit. And we love each other with the love of God, not with our own ability to love. What is required for us to enable God to fill us with His love and His Spirit? You guys? Faith? Okay, bring it down a bit. What practically do we need to what do we need to be filled? Okay, we need faith, but what else? Submission Sorry? Submission to God's Submission. Submission yeah. to... Yeah. Yeah. To be filled up with something, we need to empty it first, don't we? And the point is that to be filled with the love of God and the Spirit of God, we need to empty ourselves of anything that is in the way. And that, that's really submission. Amen. Be willing to to submit. Great. Um, and then the reflection question for these guys, the equivalent one for unity. What could we do better as a church to love one another with the love of Jesus in a way that is noticed by the world? You guys got some nice practical sort of points? Um, we said um, loving each other, reaching out and keeping the set with the Spirit. Okay. Loving each other. You guys unpack that a little bit. Yeah, I'll come back to you. Uh, could I? Diana? I gave an example um, because the past two weeks have been difficult in our household since I had surgery two weeks ago and can't do much for myself. Um, so even before Zoe organized like a, a cooking schedule, people had already brought food to us and came, made food for us. And 
So since I had surgery, I haven't had to cook a meal since I've been home five months. Then I feel like it's taught me more about Acts 2 and having all things in common than a lot of other things. Yeah, that's, that's a great example, yeah. So we can do that and maybe we can do even more of that. Yeah. Just practical expressions of love and service and we're going to see the connection just now between love and service. Thanks Diana for sharing, that's great. You guys, anything practical? Love is, love is a verb. It's putting uh-huh. love into action. Okay. Like Diana said, for one another to lead our needs and to actually ask what the needs are and to meet it. Yeah. And then to be further, because this is going to be a natural outflow out there, like when God is being poor with, you know, you need to be Great point. In other words, I guess, uh, being, be, being proactive, really asking and not waiting for people to ask us, but being, I guess, having the, the radar out for needs, just being very aware of needs in the church and initiating, how can I, how can I help? How can I love you? Good. Then the final one, service. We have, um, Philippians 2 verse 5 to 8, another passage we um, should know very well, most of us here. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." So this passage uses this word mindset. Uh, mindset, definition of that is, it's the way we view the world and our role in it. So the question is, how will you summarize the mindset of Jesus? Group there? Um, this group, uh, trying to figure that out, and the answer was, Jesus, in his nature, was God. Jesus, um, by all reason, was entitled to um, to be God, but he chose differently. He chose to be a servant. Mm-hmm. So his mindset was, um, how can I put it? He willed himself to, to serve others instead of elevating himself to the level of God. Yeah, great, great answer. Um, um, his mindset, if I can paraphrase, wasn't to take what he was entitled to. Mm-hmm. Okay, he could have felt that I'm entitled to this, but I choose not to take up that position of um, benefit. Yeah. And humility is certainly part of that as well. You guys? Uh, we, we summarized it as he was a humble, obedient servant. Humble, obedient. That was his mindset, yeah. I'm in the world as a humble, obedient servant. Like all the other gods of surrounding nations, it was very much about people sacrificed for their god, right? And if their god was angry, he zapped you in some way. You know, if anyone, only only God has that sort of power, but He doesn't use it. He chose to come as a servant. And why is having the right mindset so important for serving one another? Okay. Rather look to be served than to serve. So if you calibrate yourself, calibrate your heart and your mind to the mindset of Christ, then you are far much more um, prone 
to do like he did. You're much more prone to, to go against your nature to, to be served. Great answer. You guys want to add to that? Or Very same? similar. Very similar. Uh, if you don't have the right mindset, you will never see the needs that are out there. Mm. If you don't see the needs, you'll never serve. Okay. Um, can we do things without sharing that value or mindset? Uh, maybe it's not a very good way to put it, but uh, you can do things, and we can we can go through the motions maybe of serving. Did Jesus serve with like a really bad attitude? That's the point. Okay, so we can go through the motions, but mindset refers to how do we how do I actually understand my my role here? Why am I here? And that helps us to then do things with the right attitude, with the right motivation and out, out of humility. No, I think so, because Jesus' love, love compels us. The love of Christ compels us. Yeah, exactly. Good, good point. That's a great point. If that's our mindset, I think the point is that we will put ourselves in in places where we are needed to serve. It'll be very proactive. We won't sit back in our comfortable home or where, wherever it is and say, man, I'd, I'd love to serve. Just come and ask me. Jesus went into the uncomfortable places where he was most needed. Great point. Okay, as a servant, Jesus humbled himself and laid down his life for those he served. What's the significance of this for us, you guys? He showed us the example. Showed we need to follow that example. Okay. You guys? Lay down his life. What does that imply? We should lay down our lives for If Kanye captured the note, you said it. I don't know. Leaders eat last. Wow. Yeah. So it's, yeah, this way, it's like that's the attitude of Christ, and that's what the mindset we should have, and the example we should follow. That we don't. But sometimes you think in the world, you think leaders eat first. Mm. In actual fact, leaders should be the ones who eat last, so that you can make sure that your people mm. are so good, and then you can. Oh, I love, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> leaders, leaders can use. <laughs> Me. What was that chirp and karma? Do I stand in front of the queue? Oops. Leaders eat last. Really, I mean, the point is that leaders um, have the position and the authority to eat first, and that's often what people expect. But real leaders and, let's say, real disciples of Jesus choose to eat last. You guys, you've commented, eh? Cool. Okay. Um, how would you explain the relationship between love and service then? You guys? Uh, not around the 
motivation and service is the consequence of that. Wow. Love the motivation and it results in service. Okay, you guys? We said they go hand in hand. Yeah. You can't have one without the other. If yeah. you don't have love, you'll never serve. Okay. Service is love in action. Yeah. Service is love in action, but both of you have said that in different ways. First Corinthians 12 from 47. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all, all of them and in everyone it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. First question, what role of the Spirit in creating a church of servants is described here? Start here. Thank you, you're right. The Holy Spirit gives different gifts to different people. He doesn't give all the same gifts to one person. Mm. Which means that we rely on each other to get certain things. And therefore, because the Holy Spirit distributes these gifts differently, we serve each other because we all need Chris answered all three questions at once, there, but I think it's true. But amen, it's true. That's how he rolls. Yeah, that's how he rolls. <laughs> Guys, want to add anything? The, the the role of the spirit that we read here when it comes to service. Uh, I Sorry. think if we can add a little bit, um, I think this one kind of puzzles us a little bit. Um, it's not really an addition. It's that if we understand that. Um, it is not us that creates the gifts. The gifts come from the Holy Spirit. So if you understand that um, you are you are blessed with certain gifts, then you would understand that other people are blessed with certain certain um, mm. gifts. And then what what that does for you or what that should do for you is to then appreciate the fact that there is um, people are, are gifted very differently. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that Amen. Great. Those are all great comments. At the obvious level, the role of the Spirit is to give us gifts of service. The Spirit enables us to serve one another in certain ways. And what I've experienced, and it just happens time and time again, is that when the church has a need and we pray, the Spirit provides. And that's just the way the Spirit works. He will provide people, but also in the church, um, the Spirit will, will raise up and give gifts to people, or um, I guess he will bring gifts to the surface that people have at the right time. The purpose of spiritual gifts, and that's really leading to the next question. The purpose of spiritual gifts, I think you basically summarized. It's to serve. It's, it's for the common good. That's the important thing. Gifts are not so that, oh, I can be recognized and used, you know. Um, I don't think God would gift us if that was our attitude. He gives us gifts to edify the church for the common good, not for anything, no personal benefit or anything that makes us look good or even feel good. It's for the common good. And then later on in the chapter, if you read it, Paul stresses a need for unity in the context of the diversity. Why is it important to always keep unity and diversity closely tied to each other? Chris, I don't think you specifically mentioned that, would you? I think. Didn't get that far. You guys?
So we are going to follow that example because he decreed it, he allowed it. So it's part and parcel of, of him making the, the church. So our trick then is to, is to see how, how God um, is unified and diverse and then practically download it mm. to ourselves. Great, love it. <laughs> You must understand how God is inherently diverse but one. You know, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then um, download that for us. <laughs> Those marbles are rattling around there, folks. <laughs> okay, and, and you made the point diversity and unity can be at odds. There can be tension between the two. Yeah. Getting back to my earlier example, really, is that if we if we serve for the wrong reasons and we um, put a lot of pride in our own spiritual gifts, that can actually cause divisions. Am I right? Like suddenly this brother or sister is all about himself and trying to push his ability to to teach or admin, and why am I not involved in this? You're not using me, etc., etc. And so I think we've always got to bear this in mind. We give everybody a chance to exercise their gifts, but it's always for the common good. Amen. Great. And then reflection, what could we do better as a church to serve one another in a way that's noticed by the world? Guys, anything practical? Guys, get there? any sort of practical we, things? We said that, uh, first of all, you need to be willing to okay. serve and, and willing that the, the Holy Spirit leads you. Uh, but then you need to see serving as a gift, really. Because if you see serving as a gift, then you'll do it, but also you'll talk about it in community. Not our family community, but the outside community. And by that, people will get word of what is happening and want to come and experience that for themselves. Amen. For bring them into our church community. Amen. Okay, I think that's very well summarized. In the interest of time, guys, we're going to stop here. Um, I do encourage you to, if you want a good quiet time, maybe go through all you know the other qualities that you haven't had a chance to discuss today. Um, I want to end just with... Um, couple of passages here, John 15, 26 to 27. When the advocate, advocate comes, Jesus speaking, whom I will send you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me in the beginning. As I said in the beginning, Jesus sends another advocate, another one just like him, the Holy Spirit, who will continue the work of Jesus and who will testify to Jesus. Our individual testimony, our individual witness about Christ is important, but our communal witness and testimony is even more powerful. The light on the hill that the Bible speaks about is not me standing on the hill, it is God's community on the hill. That's a plural you. And how we, how we um, function as a church, how we um, love one another, the unity we show, and how we serve one another, is all about shining the spotlight on Jesus. Okay. The light on the hill that is noticeable. That's why I kept on asking in a way that's noticed by the world. The things we do. Uh, and we don't do it to impress people, but as we live like this and we bring people into the community, they will notice. And then uh, John sixteen thirteen. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will only speak what he is and he will tell you what is yet to come. Okay, the, all, all of the, the uh, qualities we mentioned... Those are all qualities of Jesus. You've picked that up. And the Holy Spirit will keep on pointing us to the example of Jesus. He will guide us into truth uh, through the word, help us to understand Jesus, and help us to, be, to change to become more like him.
And then First Thessalonians 5 from verse 16. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. That's the key. Uh, we have the Holy Spirit in us. I believe if we, you know, if we entered into the life of Christ and we have made Him Lord, we have the Spirit in us, but so often we fill up our lives with our own desires and our own will. And that's when we quench the Spirit. The Spirit can be in us, but the Spirit can be dormant. And we've got to, we've got to empty ourselves. We've got to start the day and end the day, uh, begging God to to lead us through His Spirit and undertaking to walk in step with the Spirit, not to quench the Spirit. We've got to pray to be filled with the Spirit and trust Him and use Him to take control of us during the days. Amen. That's all. Um, in the interests of time again, guys, I'm sorry it went on a little bit too long. Let's uh, get the song leaders up here. We're going to sing a co- communion song. And then Ntoshi is going to share her witness for five minutes. <laughs>